Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Booming Basketball Podcast. This is going to be our inaugural episode. Um, last night, we saw R.J. Barrett hit a crazy game winner. Um, I, I, as I'm, I'm a Knicks fan, so uh, R.J.'s never hit a game winner in his career before, and seeing him do it against the Celtics in a game that was one of the most entertaining games I've seen all year. I don't know if all of you tuned into it or not, um, but yeah, 108, 108. R.J. Barrett gets the ball, 1.5 seconds left, shoots it over Jason Tatum and banks it in. I went nuts. Um, me and my friends went nuts. Yeah, it it, it was a great shot. <laughs> it's just really, really great to see, especially when we've seen R.J. struggle this season. In, um, you know, uh, a lot of people have given up on R.J. as a franchise scorer. Me, personally, I have not. I really like R.J.'s game. I think he's an extremely hard worker. I think he has all the talent in the world. He's an incredible athlete. He is a good defender, which is not common with all great scorers in today's league. And I'm not saying R.J. Barrett's a great scorer, but I think he has the potential to get there. The problem with R.J. in the past has been really his consistency. We'll see him drop a career high, go for 35, and then the next game he'll give you five points on one for 14 from the field. I mean, you, you just don't, like, if you're going to have a young star like that, you want to see him give you production in and out every day. You want him to be producing on a level where you're seeing him get better and better, not taking these steps forward and then keep coming back and seeming like, okay, maybe he hasn't actually improved. Maybe it was just a couple games. Whatever. Enough about R.J. Barrett. The main t- subject about today's episode is going to be the All-Star game and the All-Star voting, which just recently opened up for all fans to vote. Obviously, um, I, as many of you have, as we all probably have at some point already, we've voted for people. Um, my predictions that I voted for are not everyone that I actually think should, per se, make the actual team. But with that being said, I do have an actual list of the people that I really do think should make the team this year. And honestly, most years we have, the East is not as loaded as the West. And the West All-Stars, and there's more snubs in the West, and we have guys in the East that would probably not even be close to All-Stars in the West. This year, really, it's not exactly vice versa, but it's pretty damn close because... You see in the West, the front court is just really abysmal outside of a couple obvious ones, which I'll go over. It's just really a shoe in and there's, there's guys that, because of the position requirements, are going to make it, and guys that maybe are more worthy of an all-star lock or an all-star position are not going to get it because of those position requirements this year. We're going to start off with the East starters, so the thing to me that's easier than any other position here is going to... It's the front court for the East. I'm going to start off with Giannis. It's, I mean, I could go into the stats and the details and everything. It's Giannis. We, we know what Giannis does. He's the best help defender in basketball. He's possibly the best defender in basketball. He gives you 30 and 15 almost every night. Not literally, but he's averaging about 27 and 11 on the season, which is... It's Giannis. It's about what averages most year in and year out the past couple of years, somewhere around that, um, those numbers. Uh, his his three-point percentage hasn't really gone up, even though we have seen him take more pull-up threes this season. And, yeah, it, it's, it's Giannis. He, he's clearly deserving of being an all-star starter. And same with Kevin Durant, another lock shoe-in. Probably going to end up being the captain. He's the leader in votes so far for the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, Kevin Durant, he's, he's leading the entire league in points per game. He's, his team is number two right now in the Eastern Conference. Without Kyrie Irving so far, even though he did just come back, he's been probably the best player in the world, in my opinion, so far this season. If I had to give someone the MVP, it would be to Kevin Durant or one other guy that I will mention in a little bit. But, yeah, Kevin Durant obviously should be a starter for the All-Star team. And the other lock that I have is Joel Embiid. Um, We have all seen what Joel Embiid has done as of late. He's been going on an absolute tear lately. Embiid has scored 30-plus in five of his last six games. He put up 41 last time time he played the Celtics. 
Um, yeah, he's just been absolutely dominant. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He is a starter. Over the past five games, he's averaging 34 points and 10 rebounds with four assists. His playmaking has been great, pretty pretty terrific for a center. His turnovers hasn't, haven't been as bad as they usually are. They're still not great, but he usually averages around four, somewhere between four, a little over at times. 3.4 turnovers with four assists is still not bad. I'm not going to knock him for that. He's had to do pretty much everything for the Sixers offense. Um, almost all of their sets when he is on the floor come through him, whether it's through the post and kicking out or post-up plays or him just isolating. Their entire offense is basically based around him with the exception of some plays for Seth Curry and Tobias Harris. Then the guards position, which I think is or you can debate it. It's it's definitely not a lock. You you can say a couple different guys that you could put here probably over one another. But uh, my first one, I hate. I don't want to do this because I hate him. I don't like him. You can say I'm salty all I want. I don't like him. It's, it's Trey Young, but he has been the best point guard in the East this season statistically by a mile. Uh, he's averaging almost thirty and nine. Um, what more can you really want statistically? The Hawks have been underachieving as a team as a whole, but really not his fault. He dropped 56 and 14 the other night, and they still couldn't even get a win out of that. Um, yeah, really just play from the rest of their players have not been as up to par as they were last season when they kicked the Knicks' ass in the playoffs, and I was... Yeah, that, we're not going to relive that, but yeah, they're they're not looking like the same Hawks team as last year, but Trey Young is still getting it done, averaging his 29 and 9 about um statistically, you could say he's the best point guard in the East. I won't say that because of health and injuries and whatnot. But uh yeah, you 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 can say that if you want to say that. I, I I'm not going to argue it because I really can't as a Knicks fan. The last starting position that I have for the guard position obviously is DeMar DeRozan. Um, I think a lot of people are going to agree with me on this one. He is the leading vote getter for all guards so far this year and I, I just love watching this guy. His, his mid-range game is the best mid-range game I've seen from anybody in the past probably since I've been alive. Um I'm only 18, but still, um, the, the way he just maneuvers and gets defenders to bite on his pump fakes, even when he's not taking the shot, is really miraculous. He gets to the line almost every time that he doesn't actually get a shot up, and when he gets the shot up, I don't think there's anyone in the league that has a better follow-through on that fadeaway. It goes in seemingly almost every single time. He has perfect touch on it, even when it's not a swish, which it is, it seems to be most of the time. He has such great touch on that ball. He's shooting 36% from three this season. Um, it, it, For DeMar DeRozan, that's like 45%, so um, you, you can't complain about that at all. And the past two games that he had, or the past two back-to-back -back game winners that he had were incredible, obviously. He's hitting the shots when he needs to. He's spacing out the defense enough to keep them modest so he can still dominate in that mid-range area and take it all the way to the cup. Um, I was able to see him live in the Knicks versus Bulls game this season where the Knicks were down 20-plus and came back but did lose after Levine was fouled on a dunk that no one touched him on. But we're not going to talk about that right now because DeMar DeRozan, I think, had 35 or 36 maybe that game and... Every single time he went into the mid-range, no matter what we did, um, it seemed like it was going in. The dude doesn't miss from that area. He's averaging 27 points per game. He's looked like himself back in Toronto, but more complete. What I think Popovich really did to DeRozan was he brought out so many other aspects in DeRozan's game that allowed him to not focus on his scoring so much. That also made him a better scorer because when he isn't scoring the ball, they can't just focus on double-team him because he's not a good passer out of double-teams. He got his playmaking increased sufficiently in San Antonio, and his ability is a rebounder as well, boxing people out. He swims around a lot of people. For his size, he is a he's a solid rebounder, and he's a really good playmaker, especially as a secondary or third ball handler or playmaker in that situation. Um, yeah, DeRozan, for me, is a no-brainer. Uh, they're number one seed in the East right now. Um, I did have—I wasn't 
all in on the Chicago Bulls hype train this offseason. I will 100% admit to that. But, yeah, they've proved me wrong. I thought they would be a terrible defensive team. They are a marvelous defensive team. And they are led by DeRozan. And his play on both sides of the ball, even this season, have been absolutely terrific. Um, yeah, he, he's been he's been ridiculous. So DeMar DeRozan, I think, for sure, should be a starter in this year's All-Star game. And then we head over to the Western Conference. The Western Conference, I think, for me, I have two people that I have for the starters that I, I don't care what anyone says. I, I think that they are easily the two starters. One of these guys m- most people will 100% agree with, I assume, and the other a lot might not dis- might not agree with. And um, I'm going to do my best to explain why I believe that he deserves that position. And I think it's... I don't think it's crazy at all. I really think that he has been ridiculous this season, and that's Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell this season, even the past couple years, it's just that this year the competition for the guards position and just in the West in general isn't as good. You have guys like Damian Lillard who's having a down year. You have Devin Booker who's scoring the ball at a not as high of a rate as he used to, statistically really not starting numbers. Luka is having another down or, not another down year, but Luke is another player having a down year. I say down year, even though he's not really having a down year. Statistically, he's taking a bit of a dip. Um, but you know who's been a consistent 25-ish, 24, 23-ish point per game scorer for the past two, three years and has been a top three seed every year? That's Donovan Mitchell. Um, Donovan Mitchell is... I, I love Donovan Mitchell. I think he is the closest thing we've seen to Dwayne Wade since Dwayne Wade. Um, he just His game reminds me so much of him. His shooting off the dribble has been the biggest change in his game that has opened up so many things for the Jazz. The Jazz have been able to generate so much from Mitchell's ability to stretch the floor now. When he came into the league or in his first, second year, um, Donovan Mitchell wasn't a very good uh shooter off the dribble he was a better catch catch and shoot guy and he was more of a slasher he wasn't a great shooter he could hit it at a modest rate but he was a slasher that's all who he was that's what we all knew him as um he was in the dunk contest obviously won that we, we saw how athletic he was but now he's a he's a very solid three-point shooter especially from off the dribble at the top of the key he takes one or two steps in off the dribble after sizing up his defender and he's going to hit that shot a lot of times he hits it at about a 37 38% rate this season it's not bad at all averaging 23.9 points a game about 24 a game um it, it's a little bit of a dip from last season but really um He's done everything that he needs to. The Jazz are the third seed in the in the West. They have only one less win than the Warriors and one more loss. And everyone's been talking about how great of a season the Warriors have been having. The Jazz are right there with them. And um, Donovan Mitchell has been the leader behind that. They have not a single other 20-point-per-game scorer on the team. They are just such a complete team. Without Donovan Mitchell, they don't have an actual number one option or someone to lead them and really... What Donovan Mitchell brings, that drive and penetration, driving and penetration to kick out to open shooters. They have Rudy Gay, Mike Conley, Royce O'Neal, Bojan Bogdanovic. They have all these great shooters on this team. Joe Ingles as well. And Donovan Mitchell's penetration is so important. But now the thing is with Donovan Mitchell, with this development in his jump shot that has consistently gotten better and better and better as time has gone on, they can't just sit back and let him take deep threes or pull up threes or try to play him like he's not an elite shooter because although maybe not an elite shooter, he's a pretty damn good shooter. It was in the three-point contest last year for a reason. The The dude's got a terrific form. He follows through beautifully on the ball. He gets a very high release. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is incredible, and I don't think there's many other people you could put. the. You could argue Ja. I think you can argue Ja Moran over him. I will not disagree if you put Ja over him, but Ja is not a good of, as good of a shooter, and has not shown consistently over years and years that he has been able to do this and lead his team to success. The Grizzlies have been all over the place in the standings this year. They were better without him at points in the season so far, which I'm not going to say is true. I don't think they are better without him. I really don't have anything to say to knock Ja, but I'm really just that 
it's my opinion, and I personally, I believe Donovan Mitchell should get the spot over him. The Jazz have been at the top of the Western Conference all season long, and I assume they will remain there. They have pretty much every season prior. Um, and then the other point guard, or the other guard that I have is a point guard. It's, uh, it, it, it's I don't know if you've ever heard of him before, but uh, his, his name's Steph Curry. He's uh he's pretty good at basketball. Um yeah, I, I don't think this needs much explanation, much like Kevin Durant and Giannis. Steph has been in a little bit of a slump in the past five games. I mean, it is what it is. When the defense when you're getting defended like Steph Curry does, you're bound to go through some slumps. They're getting Clay Thompson back within a week. It's not gonna last. <laughs> I've, I'm I'm not more confident about any other team in the league than the Warriors. Um, they're the best team in the league right now, in my opinion. Record-wise, not anymore, but they're getting reinforcements to already possibly the best team in the league. So I think even if Clay isn't 100% to what he was, when you're that good of a shooter, you don't just stop being able to shoot that well. It's going to take a lot of attention off of Steph Curry, and he's going to be able to average more than 21-6 and six on piss-poor shooting from the field. Averaging 31% from the field over the past five games, but I'm, again, not worried. They're defending him incredibly difficult. They're still second in Western Conference. They're not in any danger of sliding far in the standings. Um, yeah, Steph Curry is, is, is a no-brainer. Let's go to the West starters for the front court. This is the position that I said was a bit of a toss-up for me. It, it's really just kind of... It, it's not as good as it used to be in the past. We've seen some pretty stacked Western Conference starting teams, and this really just isn't as good as it used to be. We have two no-brainers that are easily starting. It's not a question. But then the third, it's really a toss-up. You can really put in a variety of people, and I won't necessarily disagree with you I did pick one obviously to start alongside the two guys that I have as no-brainers which are LeBron James he's been playing some of the best basketball we've seen him play in recent memory uh the past couple games um even though the Lakers aren't as good as we've expected them to be it's not LeBron's fault and I am not one to praise LeBron like that I don't like I don't hate LeBron but I don't love him I'm not a big LeBron fan like a lot of other people are but yeah, he's easily going to be a starter. The other guy that I think is going to easily be a starter in the front court is going to be Nikola Jokic. What else is there really to say about him? I mean, he's pro if you're actually going by most valuable player, by the actual definition of value, it, it, it might be this guy because God are the Nuggets bad when he's not on the court. It is, it's kind of disgusting. They are actually god-awful without him. I don't know if I've ever seen a more incompetent offense. It's like they don't know what they're doing. Maybe if they had Jamal Murray or Michael Porter back, that would help. But, you know, they are, they're awful with with him on, on the bench or not playing. He, they don't know what they're doing. And the stats back it up. Nikola Jokic, when he's not on the court, the Nuggets have five games where he has not played. They have a point differential of negative 62 in those games. This season when he's played, they have a point differential of plus 47. That is ridiculous. Even in just five games without him, almost an entire team's score worth difference in point differential. That That's crazy. Nikola Jokic is more valuable to the Nuggets than any other player is to their team in basketball. And I stand by that, other than maybe LeBron or Steph Curry. Steph Curry was also the other guy that I was talking about who could be an MVP. Um, it's either him or Kevin Durant. Even though his numbers haven't been as good the past couple games, Steph Curry is statistically and record-wise, and when you put it into actual most valuable, they wouldn't be nearly as good without him. I have Rudy Gobert as the third and final starter for the Western front court. The reason that people might not want Rudy Gobert in the All-Star game is because he's not flashy, he's not exciting, he's not going to put up 30 points in a game every night, he's not going to shoot threes, he's not going to dribble, he's not going to do anything that fans 
typically want to see from players that they enjoy watching. But Rudy Gobert is an all-star by the definition. He is the best defensive big man in basketball. Not even close. Probably the best defensive big man we've seen since Ben Wallace, in my opinion. Um, No, no, that's wrong. Dwight Howard. Best defensive big man I've seen since Dwight Howard. I'll give him that. Because what Rudy Gobert brings to the table that most people don't realize that we not see on the stats, other than if you look into advanced stats like rim uh, or field goal percentage at the rim against or um, offensive field goal percentage allowed. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is the biggest intimidator in all of basketball, bar none. People are, if you watch Jazz games, people are afraid to go into the paint against this dude. They, they don't want to shoot on him because he has been one of the best shot blockers in basketball over the past few years. He has a 7'8 wingspan. He's 7'1. The dude is huge. He's averaging the most rebounds per game other than Andre Drummond since Ben Wallace. He's averaging 15.1 rebounds per game. The only player... Since Andre, other than Andre Drummond, two average 15 rebounds per game since Ben Wallace. Um, so if he keeps that up, he'll be on pace for that. He is the second best defensive rating in all of basketball. The top five players in defensive rating this season are all on my all-star team. The only one I've mentioned so far, other than Rudy Gobert now, is Nikola Jokic and Giannis. Actually, I'm going to touch up on that a little bit uh, really quick, too, is... Nikola Jokic's defense is actually pretty good now. He knows where to be on the floor, which was the biggest problem with him before, is he got caught on screens and switches and backdoor cuts, but he's really just not been doing that this season. He's just been in position, although he's not a good shot blocker. He has been a he's been a solid defender and he hasn't been as weak he hasn't been a hole in the paint and a glaring discrepancy for their team this season as he had been in the past hence why they're so much worse with him on off the floor too because of his defensive and offensive impact now because they're a worse defensive team without him now as well but Rudy Gobert is yeah Rudy Gobert is same with Donovan Mitchell he is leading one of the best teams in the league they've been one of the best teams in the league consistently for years now I think he just deserves the recognition he's having the best season he's ever had statistically he is shooting the best percentage out of anyone in the entire NBA, although it is just free throw or layups and dunks. It, it, it is 70.6% from the field. You, you can't knock that. The dude averages 15 points a game on insane efficiency. So if you're getting 15 points a game on that high efficiency every game, that's pretty important. That's a pretty good 15 points. It's a pretty valuable 15 points. Yeah, it, it, Rudy Gobert isn't. The reason Rudy Gobert is an all-star is because he doesn't try to do things that he's not asked to do. He does what he's asked to do at a better rate than anybody else in the entire league. He's asked to block shots, rebound, and make layups and dunks. He shoots the highest percentage from anyone in the entire NBA. He's led the league in blocks multiple years. He is the best intimidator in all of basketball, and I think... Pretty sure he is the lowest field goal percentage at the rim out of anybody in the entire league. So people aren't scoring on him in the paint. And he averages the most rebounds in the entire league. So what else do you really want from him? The Jazz win games, he anchors their entire defense, and they don't need him to shoot the ball. He does everything for them. And really, the only other guys that you can really argue to start over him in the Western Conference, it's not a lot. It's it's really not a lot. The only one I would argue that I may, maybe argue would be Carl Towns, which I don't think you can argue. I don't think their team is good enough for you to argue him as a starter. And Paul George, but Paul George hasn't played enough games. Paul George has only played 26 games now, and he's going to miss more time, and he's going to miss the All-Star game. That's why I have an injury replacement for him on the bench. So, really, who else is going to start? If you want to tell me Anthony Davis is going to start, that makes no sense because Anthony Davis is hurt. If you want to tell me DeAndre Ayton is going to start, I think you're an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what DeAndre Ayton does is he's on one of the best teams in the league. He's a rebounding, low-post scoring 
defending center, but he just does everything worse than Rudy Gobert except for score. He is a way worse defender. He doesn't block shots nearly as well. He's not as good of a rebounder. And he's also hurt all the time. So, yeah, I, I, I think this is the year Rudy Gobert stops crying and gets his all-star start. I mean, I know he wasn't crying over not starting in the all-star game the last time he was crying, but... Yeah, I, I'm not not a big fan of Rudy Gobert as a person, but as a basketball player, I, I really love his game. After Rudy Gobert, we're going to start with the bench. And the guy that I have off the bench first um, is probably the guy that most of you think should be starting, if anyone, or the next guy, potentially. It's going to be Ja. I have as the first guy off the bench. Um, doesn't matter the positioning. I, I don't have him first over anyone. I just I listed him first. Um, because there's two guards, three forwards, and then two players of any position. Um, that's the reserves for the All-Star game. Um, and then we'll get into the injury reserves uh, if needed. So, sticking with the West, Jaw. Jaw this season has been phenomenal. Um, the Grizzlies right now are currently the fourth seed in the West. They've been up and down, but they've they've really been on a hot streak. They were some. Uh, they had like a five-game win streak or whatever it was when Jaw was out, which people were. Some people were like, "The Grizzlies are better without Jaw." Whatever that stupid Patrick Ewing theory is, where the team is better without their star player or their star player is holding people back. It, it's stupid. The Grizzlies are better with Jaw. That, that is simply put, they are better with Jaw Morant. Um. So, with that being said, I still they've been up and down, and they aren't quite at the level of the Jazz. The top three seeds in the Western Conference are all um, a little bit ahead of the four seed and down. Um, so, Ja this season is averaging about 25, um, 5, and 7, which is really, really, really good. So, I mean, I don't. I, there's nothing bad to say about Ja. I just don't think he's better than Donovan Mitchell right now. Um, Donovan Mitchell is a better defender than him. Donovan Mitchell is a better shooter. His stats aren't as good, but that's because Donovan Mitchell actually has a team around him, which is partly goes wide. The record might be better, but I think all around just well-rounded player. Donovan Mitchell is more accomplished, and he, he, I think he deserves the recognition more than Ja does, at least at this point in time. Um, so, but then the next guy I have is Luka Doncic. Luka's obviously, he's Luka. He, he's going to make the All-Star game. Um, you could argue that he won. If you thought he should start, averaging this season about uh, tw- 25, 8-8. Uh, eight and eight. He's, he's been Luka, but just he hasn't shot as well from the field. His defense has been really bad. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't know what's up with Luka. I think Luka's just not in as good a shape as he used to be. But um, Luka still is deserving of being um, on this team. No doubt about it. He is deserving of being an all-star. He's not taken the leap we wanted him to yet. A lot of people have been predicting him to be MVP or take a, maybe break out, average like a 30-point triple-double is seemingly what he was on pace for, but we've seen him stutter or his growth stunt a little bit, but I, I don't think there's much to worry about with Luka. He's, he, he's been great this season. He really has. Luka, Luka's still still been absolutely great. Um, yeah, Luka, Luka's great. I don't know what else to say about that. Luka's a great basketball player, and Luka has been maybe not leading the Mavericks up to the expectations that they had at the beginning of the season, but I don't think that is a reason to completely knock him or say that he is all completely at fault because it seems like at times I don't like this offense that Jason Kidd runs. They do a lot of post-ups with Porzingis and Dorian Finney-Smith, which are not effective. They don't work well. Finney Smith is not a good post-up player. I, I, I like Finney Smith. He's a solid role player. He's not a good post-up player. And when they're running Luka and Luka's getting penetra- or penetrating and kicking out or having players pop or roll, people aren't rolling when they should be rolling. Poor Zingis. Um, And, yeah, the rest, Tim Hardaway's having an awful season again. The Tim Hardaway effect, he has a really good season, signs a big contract, then he shits the bed. But the Tim Hardaway effect is in effect clearly this year. Um, 
The only other good player has been Br- Jalen Brunson, really. It's been Jalen Brunson, Luka, and sometimes Porzingis. It's really been it. And uh, for Luka to even have his team right now in the playoff uh, picture at a respectable seed is really enough for me to put him on the All-Star team easily. Um, yeah, I th- would probably start him over Donovan Mitchell before I would put Ja in the starting lineup because even though Ja is having a terrific season, I just don't think he's as good of a player. I think he has more opportunity and more touches than any of those players. His talent on his team is he has Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, and sometimes Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is one of the least consistent basketball players I have seen in a while. Um, but yeah, it it's he's just very efficient, the thing with Ja. He's shooting 49% from the field. He is second amongst all point guards in field goal percentage. So for what he is, he's, he's great. I just don't think he's better than Luka or Donovan Mitchell. But enough with Ja. We're going to go um, onto another spot on the bench or one of the bench players, even though I know these teams are not going to be um, set in stone. Like, it's not going to be West versus East, obviously, anymore. I know the captain's going to be probably LeBron and Steph. Let's be honest. That's not going to happen because that's not possible, and that was what it would have been years ago. But I'm an idiot, so it's probably going to be Kevin Durant and Steph or LeBron. But um, moving on, we have Draymond. And if you disagree with this, again, this is one of those ones. I judge a lot of people's basketball knowledge and basketball um, opinions and their merit and credibility to what their opinions are on Draymond Green. And I think with a lot of people as they've gotten older, because I know with myself, we've been watching Draymond, uh, kids my age and people my age, 18-year-old, 19-year-olds, in that uh, th- that, that general vicinity of, uh, vicinity of ages, We've, we saw Draymond Green when we were younger, and I don't think we understood basketball as much then. Um, I know with myself I did because I always paid, always paid attention to the stuff more than a lot of the other people have. I'm a huge basketball nerd, hence why I'm making this podcast. But, um, yeah, Draymond Green just does everything you want a basketball player to do that's not scoring. He does everything at an elite level. He's kind of like Rudy Gobert except for not seven foot one and from France. Yeah, he's like Rudy Gobert, but different because he's way more versatile, obviously, than Rudy Gobert. He is the only player in the NBA right now with a higher defensive rating than Rudy Gobert. Um, he's obviously going to guard. He can guard the one through five. He is a top 10 passer in the probably top five. I really think he might be a top five passer in the NBA. The way he can orchestrate an offense from the four position and really play almost like a point guard at times, but also playing the best defense in the league. He is a really good shot blocker, great at getting in passing lanes. He reads passing lanes better than most people in the league. The only players I think that are better at reading passing lanes than him are Nick Batum and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, Obviously, having that massive wingspan helps. But um, in the way that he's like Rudy Gobert is he does everything he's asked to do at an elite rate. He's not asked to score. He's not asked to shoot. And... Even he can he he, he can hit. people make him out to be a much worse shooter than he is because when he's open he can hit it at a modest rate he's gonna hit at least like thirty percent of them which isn't good but it's okay he can hit him when he's wide open and he's not Ben Simmons he's not gonna be afraid to shoot it because Draymond unlike Ben Simmons has the confidence of I don't even know Draymond's confidence is pretty otherworldly but um the thing that Draymond brings a team is he just makes everyone better without really scoring at all. It's almost kind of what LeBron does, but minus 20 points per game and trying on defense. Because what Draymond does is he allows Steph Curry to be able to run around and do what Steph Curry does and what Jordan Poole does now, who he's obviously learned from Steph. There's so much ball movement in that team, and having guys like that at every position who can pass the ball and their ability to go small with Draymond at the five is really such an advantage. Draymond is just so flexible, and he's adaptable to every situation in basketball. Um, yeah, he's really a Swiss. He is the Swiss Army knife of Swiss Army knives. You couldn't ask for... The only thing you could ask for him to do better is shoot, 
and score, but you don't need him to because you have Steph Curry on your team, and you're getting Klay Thompson back. And Andrew Wiggins has been terrific. Well, he's not quite on this on this All Star uh, ballot, but he, he's not too too far off. I, I didn't want to put three Warriors players, especially when Clay's going to be coming back and Wiggins' touches are probably going to be going down, and he's probably not going to be really putting up All Star numbers anymore. But shout out to Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, the next guy I have is Paul George. Paul George is, I love Paul George. I really do. Even when everyone hated on Paul, has been hating on Paul George in the past, um, I was always one to defend him. I just really like his game. Personality-wise, I, I don't love him. I think he's a bit soft at times. Um, I'm, I'm not going to criticize Paul George, though. I like Paul George a lot. Uh, the thing I like about Paul George is his output on offense every night and the fact that he still gives that effort on defense. He'll go out and put up 40 and carry his team to a win while also locking up the other team's best player. He's really, he's like Kawhi, but worse at everything. <laughs> he's really, he's like his teammate, but he's not as good at anything, except maybe shooting threes, but even then, I, I don't think so. Especially this season, Paul George is down to like 32% from three. He's just a very, very high-volume shooter. Um, better than his percentages would lead you to believe. But, um, yeah. When he has, he's only played 26 games, and he's going to miss uh, some more time, so I don't know if he'll even be back in time for the All-Star game. Probably not, to be honest. But uh, he, he, he's he been terrific when he has played this season. He's been leading the Clippers. He led the Clippers to a modest record. They were in the playoff run, uh, playoff run um, or hunt, decent seeding before he got went uh, down. Him and Reggie Jackson have really been taking over and keeping things afloat while Kawhi is rehabbing. Kawhi actually just reported to, or reported today that Kawhi um, could return before the end of the season and that he is ahead of schedule with his ACL injury. So that could be very interesting for the Clippers, especially if they get Paul George back soon. Um, yeah, Paul George averaging 25, uh, 7, and 4 really on the season. So when he has played, he's been terrific. I would very much consider putting him in the starting lineup, but he has only played 26 games, and I don't want to put in a guy who hasn't been able to to be there and hasn't been available as much as some of these other guys when Rudy Gobert has been one of his most reliable players for his team, especially he's proved that year in and year out. He doesn't miss many games. So yeah, on to the next one, we have Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, Carl Towns is, is really a no-brainer for me. His stats are way better than most of the other players on here. I wouldn't say way better, but Cats... Cat's good. Cat's just Cat's a really good basketball player, and you need a front court player on the uh, on the bench. I'm not gonna put DeAndre Ayton in. Yeah, Carl Towns is the Timberwolves have been better than I expected them to be. I'll give him that. Um, I really just don't really see anything with the Timberwolves. Uh, Towns' defense has been better to high and easier to high this season. He's actually become a pretty decent defender on the perimeter, which is weird that he can stay with guys on the perimeter better than he can actually compete inside when he's a seven-foot big. But, uh, hey, whatever works. Um, but he, he's still averaging 25 and 9. His, his COVID protocols now, he's out for a little bit. We'll see if that affects him. But so far in the season, the Timberwolves are the ninth seed. They're not actually horrendous. They've been pretty good at times. He's their best player still, I think, easily, even though Edwards might be creeping up there. Towns does everything, really, on the offensive end. He is still, in my opinion, the third-best offensive center in basketball behind Jokic and Embiid. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Cat's Kat, definitely got to be in there, especially for the front court, which is just not very loaded um, this year for the West. Um, then we have the two wild-card players. And I have two guys from the same team, so I'm just going to talk about them at the same time because I think a lot of it goes hand in hand. I have Devin Booker and Chris Paul. The reason they didn't make it in as starters, or starters obviously they're just they're not starters at this point right now. Um, a lot of that is because their team is just so deep that their stats are not as good of don't show how good of players they are. Chris Paul is leading the league in assists though, ten assists per game, the first time in a couple seasons. Um, so Chris Paul only averaging 14 points a game, which is probably the reason why I have him only as a wild card, but also the position restrictions is tough because John and Luca are clearly, I think the two that have to be off the bench if I'm starting Mitchell and Steph, because 
yeah, John Lucas stats and their team's record and the impact they have are just Booker and Paul are on the same team. So I think that you it's hard to say who's more valuable than the other. So I, that's why I stuck on both at the end of the bench. Um, Devin Booker is averaging 24 points a game this season, not not as good as he was last season or around the same. Um, but yeah, they they they're the number one seed in the East right or in the West right now, and they look just as good as they did coming off that finals run. So, uh, yeah, Devin Booker and Chris Paul definitely got to be on this team. They're the best team in the West right now. Uh, I think definitely deserving of having two All Stars. Chris Paul leading the league in assists. Devin Booker still putting up great stats. Uh, the Suns are great, and they're the main reason for it. So I think both of them definitely have to be All Stars. And then moving on to the injury reserve that I have for the Western Conference. So this is how I believe it to be because this is what I've seen in the past. Like the um, the other year when Anthony Davis was uh, injury reserved and Devin Booker replaced him, who is listed as a guard. Um, I don't. The position restrictions do not matter for the injury reserves, as far as I believe. And so for the Western Reserve, I have a guy that I think is incredibly slept on. He's one of my favorite players in the entire league. And his team's not very good, but he's been really clutch this season. And he, if they didn't have him, they'd be even worse. Probably the worst team in the league, I think, if they didn't have him. And uh, that guy I have is a point guard, and it's DeJounte Murray. Or point guard slash shooting guard. Uh, DeJounte Murray this season, is I, I don't think some people realize how good his statistics are because it's actually kind of crazy at times. He is literally averaging almost a triple-double kind. Not not actually almost averaging a triple-double, but he's averaging close to like what Luka Doncic averaged um, a year or two ago, or even this year, um, with just less points. And he is a way better defender than Luka Doncic. And with DeJounte Murray, is he's really just he does he does everything on the court. He literally does everything. When I say when I've said other people do everything like Draymond or Gobert, they do everything that they're asked to do. No, DeJounte literally does everything on the court. If you watch Spurs games, he's their best rebounder other than Jakob Pertl, who's seven foot tall. He's their best rebounder. He's their best passer. He's right now he he's averaging eight point nine assists per game. Um, yeah, he, he's become a great playmaker. Playmaking was one of his weaknesses, which is one of the uh, skeptics and one of the reasons why they thought he might have to play shooting guard or they were going to move Derek White to point guard. Um, earlier in his career, he averaged more rebounds than assists per game. And uh, now, now he's really come along as a playmaker as well as a scorer, averaging 18 points a game. It's a career high. Um, yeah, he, he's just been really, really good. He had a game winner against the Celtics. Um a couple weeks ago, which we, we all saw, um, that was obviously terrific. He's just been really, really, he's emerged as a leader for this young Spurs team, and uh, he's really right now looking like their cornerstone, like their franchise player at the moment. His 8.9 assists per game is actually fourth in the entire NBA, um, only behind Trey Young, James Harden, and Chris Paul, who are all established elite playmakers, and DeJounte is just not, wasn't muted like that before. He's, he's not a great three-point shooter, which has been one of his bigger knocks, but uh, he hits it at a modest rate this season. He, he's making 1.3 a game on 34%. It's not not awful. He, he can hit him if he's open, and he does hit him if he's open. And he's had games where he gets hot from three and will make a couple in a row. But, yeah, I just think that uh, he's a young guy. Uh, he's come a long way. I think he could really be a candidate for most improved player this year and i think he deserves his first all-star selection this year to be honest there's a couple other guys you could maybe say deserve it over him but uh i i think that Dejounte murray should be the replacement for paul george this year unless of course paul george comes back for the all-star game and he's healthy in time then obviously fuck everything that i just said because it doesn't matter because paul george will be playing and Dejounte murray will get jack shit but uh, there's probably going to be more injury replacements. So if I have to give someone an injury replacement, if anyone gets injured before the game starts from the Western Conference, whoever drafts uh, the guy that gets hurt, I think DeJounte should probably be the first guy to replace him. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up here with the Eastern Conference reserves now. Um, the first guy I have, starting with the guards again, is going to be a guy that I have seen a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram campaigning for especially uh the people up north and that's uh Fred Van Vliet and I I I don't know I didn't know 
I wasn't completely on board until I saw him absolutely torch the Knicks like we were a high school basketball team. Um, so yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. Um, I, I don't care that we were missing players. Um, it, it was embarrassing. Fred Van Vliet had 37-5-5, and five, I think it was. But yeah, Fred this season, he was in the club of averaging 25-5. and five. Unfortunately, he is no longer in that club because he's averaging 4.9 rebounds a game. But the only players, there were only 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 players in that club. All of those players, except for Cole Anthony, being all-stars this year on my ballot. Um, yeah, so Fred Van Vliet has to be on here. I don't care. The Raptors haven't been nearly as bad as I expected them to be. He's been their leader offensively and defensively. His call-outs and just uh, his way to lead a team, really, as a vocal leader and telling his guys where to be on the floor, um, it's, it's really special. Coming out undrafted, seeing what he's done, and just really, like, He's used his drive and motivation to just inspire his teammates, and you can see it on the court when he plays. He just plays with so much heart and hustle. His stats back it up this year. I think I think he's got to be an all-star this year. But the next guy I have for the guards for the East is going to be James Harden. James Harden is, you could call it a fall from grace. I don't think I don't really think it is, though. I think he's really just different than how he used to be. He's playing a way different role. He's being a primary playmaker while not being the primary scorer, which is not something he's used to because last time when he was the primary playmaker, he was still the primary scorer as well. But now they have this guy called Kevin Durant on his team. Um, yeah, he's a he's a pretty good basketball player. Um, so when you have a guy like that, your points are naturally going to go down, and this is his first full season with him. But uh, he's averaging career lows in points per game uh, since 2011-2012. So the lowest he's ever averaged since 2011-2012, where he averaged 16.8 points a game, which is the year he won six-man. So, yeah. He wasn't nearly in the role that he is today, but it's it, it's not not horrible, but his, it's, his field goal percentage is what is really holding him down because he's shooting a career low since his rookie year. It's the worst he's ever shot from the field since his rookie year. He's never shot under 42% from the field, other than in his rookie year where he only shot 40%. Uh, he's shooting 41% this year. So um, it, it, it's got to get up. He's been playing better as of late, and we've seen him go off for a couple 30-plus point games and seen a little bit of the old James Harden. But ultimately, his playmaking has been ridiculously good this season, and he's still led his team to being one of the best teams in the league. And without Kyrie, him and Kevin Durant have led the Nets to being still fantastic. So I think he's easily got to be an all-star this year. He's been an all-star in the past what has it been? Eight years. Um, yeah, he's got a eight nine years. He's got to be an all star again. He's gonna be his tenth appearance coming up this year. The guy I have to start off the forwards is going to be one that I really had a hard time whether to put him in here or not. But because of how bad the rest of the forwards are for the East, I couldn't really. Um, stomach putting anyone except for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has been terrific this season when he has played averaging like 24, 5, and 6. Um, yeah, Jimmy Butler's been freaking great. <laughs> Jimmy Butler has been really, really, really good, but the problem is that they've also been really good without him, and a lot of that's been due to Jer uh, Eric Spolstra's coaching and just their way of playing because they are a really deep team, and they just play with toughness and grit, and uh, even though they lose Jimmy on the court at times, um, it seems like they haven't taken that far of a dip because although he's given them 23, 5, and 6 a game, for whatever reason, I can't honestly explain the reason, but he hasn't, the, the he'd have still been pretty good without him. Um, I would consider him being a starter almost this season because of how good he was, but Embiid's just been ridiculous recently. And uh, Butler has faced injuries and COVID, and he hasn't been as good recently. Um for whatever reason, uh, Jimmy Butler is out, or not for whatever reason, but he's going to be out again with uh, his, uh, the knee injury or leg injury that he faced the uh, other game. So with him already of only playing 23 games this season and them going to be missing more, or with him going to be missing more of their games before the All-Star break, I honestly don't know if he will make the roster at all because I don't know if he'll meet the minimum game requirement. So 
If he does, then he should all, should be on here, um, no doubt in my mind. But uh, if not, then uh, there are replacements. And uh, to go along with Jimmy Butler in the front court is going to be my good friend that I have never met and I have zero correlation and is not actually my good friend, but my good friend Jared Allen. Because, uh, I don't know, I just really like Jared Allen. Um, Jared Allen, just, he's just good. He's just really good. He, he's kind of like what Rudy Gobert gives you, except for he's way more athletic. He has way more offensive uh, post moves, and he's just he, he scores better than Rudy Gobert does. He doesn't rebound as well. He's not as strong, but he blocks shots really well. Um, he's kind of like Rudy Gobert light almost. Um, he's like if Mitchell Robinson like didn't actually foul every single time he tried to contest a shot and um, had basketball IQ. It's kind of like that. Um and the Cavs have just been terrific this season. They're playing the supersized lineup with Laurie Markin at small forward, who who knew that would be his best position. But, uh, okay, good for him. Um, but, yeah, Mobley and Jared Allen have just been a great 4-5 uh, combo. And Jared Allen at the 5 has been really dominant this season, averaging 17 and 11. The, dude, the dude's been an anchor for one of the best defenses in the league and one of the better stories for a team this year. The Cavs have been... Um, for lack of better terms, they've been like the Knicks of last year, especially with Kevin Love emerging as the veteran to lead their team in a similar way that Derrick Rose did for the Knicks last season. Uh, but this is not a video about the Cavs. But, uh, yeah, I think Jared Allen's an incredibly underrated player, and he's definitely deserving of his first All-Star appearance this year, especially with the competition in the front court in the East because I don't think Chris Middleton's going to make it over him at, or should make it over him. I don't think Miles Bridges should make it over him. I don't think Julius Randle should make it over him. I don't think DeMontis Sabonis should make it over him. So um, I, I really think uh, Jared Allen's earned it this year. He's been great. And uh, the guy I have after that going to be Jason Tatum. And like I said, I'm not doing this in any order. There's no I didn't. Jason Tatum's probably the best player here this season on the reserves, but I'm listing him here. It doesn't. I'm just going based off what I have. I'm not ranking them. I'm not saying who should be in over or who's better than who. But uh, Jason Tatum is – Jason Tatum's Jason Tatum. He's been pretty much very similar player for the past two years or past two or three years. Um, he, he's going to give you about 25 points a game, and uh, he's going to score the ball well, and he's going to play good defense, and he's going to rebound. He's Jason Tatum. He still is struggles in areas that he previously struggled in. He's still not a very good playmaker. Um his assist numbers have taken a dip from last year even. He averaged about four and a half last year, down to about three and a half this year. His field goal percentage is down. His three-point percentage is down. It's the worst he's ever shot from the field. But uh, the Celtics, if I'm going to pick someone from the Celtics to be an all-star, it's going to be Tatum. His stats-wise, Tatum's been really good. It's just that it seems like he's a black hole on offense at times, and it really reminds me of the things that annoyed me with Carmelo when he was on the Knicks and when I would watch Mellow play with the Knicks because it was holding our team back almost, and I think that the Celtics could be a much better team if Tatum could allow the game to come to him more than him forcing it. His stats are, and his talent is just, he's too good to not be an all-star player. He's had some big shots. He's been clutch this season at times. But, yeah, his consistency has really just been what's what's been the big, big iffy thing for me. Yeah, he, he's got to be, especially with the front court. There's there's no other guys that are really deserving of it more than him. The two wild cards I have are probably, honestly, the two wild cards I have. I, I think I messed up, honestly. I think the two wild cards I have should probably maybe even be the uh, the uh, reserves and just the back, uh, just the back court for instead of the wild cards, but regardless, they're all making the team. It doesn't really matter what position I put them in, but I have LaMelo Ball. He's averaging, what is he averaging? He's averaging LaMelo Ball stats. He's averaging like 19, 8, and 8. He's leading his team in points, rebounds, and assists. Uh, the only other person doing that right now is um, is uh, Nikola Jokic. And obviously he's not as good as Nikola Jokic, but that's a pretty good club to be in. Uh, LaMelo is one of the most improved players this year I think in my opinion just maybe not one of the most improved but he, he's definitely taken a pretty big leap this year he, he's emerged he's shown that he he's legit he's gonna be a star um and I think he, this is he deserves his first all-star appearance this year he's been playing at a great rate the Hornets, the Hornets offense is terrific 
as their defense is so bad. As bad as their defense is, is as good as their offense is. They have Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier, Lamella Ball, Gordon Hayward, um, Miles Bridges, all averaging over 15, 16 points a game. That's that's pretty ridiculous for, for that many people on on one team to be averaging that. Uh, and a lot of that starts with LaMelo Ball. He just sets up everyone. Um, he really just does. He, he gets people involved. He runs the offense in a way that's just very rare to see, especially for someone as young as him. His feel for the game is just different. It's it's really the eye test. You look at him, and you can just see how good he is. Yeah, it, it, it's really a joy to watch LaMelo Ball. And uh, his, his three-point shot's also just legit. He's a 38% th- uh, shooter from three this season. He hits a lot of difficult threes. Um He's proving he's good at what he's at what some people questioned he wasn't, and uh, his stats have been up this season. Everything's been up. The Hornets are a decent team, and if they're gonna have one representative, it's got to be Lamelo Ball. And uh, to end this off with the last wild card, it's gonna be Zach Levine. This is the one mainly that I meant. Zach Levine should probably have been over Fred VanVleet. Fred VanVleet is probably more of my wild card in regards to that. If you're actually gonna care, but uh. Yeah, Levine's been ridiculous. He's been the second leading scorer on the Bulls this season, averaging 26.3 points per game to DeRozan's 26.9. It's really just like it goes back and forth every other night. It seems one of them is outdoing the other. It seems like they take turns on who's going to be um, taking over. And the reason I really just have to go with DeRozan is I think his efficiency just is better. He's overall more consistent, more of a consistent and a complete player. He's a better rebounder and passer and... Um, he averages more points a game. He really is their number one option. When you watch the games, he's usually their go-to scorer. Even though Levine is, he does get the ball a lot, and he is put in that number one ball handler position a lot. Their main scorer is DeRozan. He seems to get most of their touches, or more of their touches than anyone else. Um, but yeah, Levine has been almost as equally important to their success as DeRozan this season. But because DeRozan's hit some really big shots, and because DeRozan's a more complete player, I definitely have him starting over Levine. Um, but uh, Levine's definitely no schlub. Levine's had a terrific year, possibly the best of his career so far, especially with how good the Bulls have been. The Bulls, another team, I think, no-brainer, deserving of two All-Stars. Uh, and then the injured reserve players that I have for Butler... It's going to be, I have two because I really couldn't decide because I know everyone's going to hate me if I feel like if I don't put in Bradley Beal. So I, you can put in Bradley Beal if you want to put in Bradley Beal. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Bradley Beal. His stats have been down this season. He hasn't been as good, hasn't been as efficient, hasn't scored the ball as well, hasn't passed it as well. He, his defense is still Bradley Beal. He's, he's still not a great defender. Um, and really there's just other players that I think have been really important to their success this season, like Montrez and Kyle Kuzma and Spencer Dinwiddie who have taken a lot of the load off of Bradley Beal, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I don't think he's as much of an all-star this year as he has been in the past. And the one I who would be my pick this year would be Darius Garland. I love Darius Garland. I think he's he just, I, I don't know, I really like him. He just, he, he's a really, really, really good at everything on offense. He does everything on offense that you want out of a modern-day point guard other than dunk the ball. But he's a really, really nice floater. His few, his floater is really, really beautiful. It's deadly. He gets a couple feet of space. He gets into that in-between area. He does a little cross, snatch back, a hesitation. He goes up with that floater a lot of times. And it's a really, really, really nice move. And when he goes up with that floater, it, 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 it seems like it goes in at an incredibly high rate. And he really is a solid three-point shooter as well. He steps back and hits the three at a really high rate. He can create for himself and create and shoot off the dribble. He can. He's a solid, solid playmaker. Um, he's just. He's been really, really good in in helping the Cavs actually have a really good offense, especially without Colin Sexton and him being hurt this season. Uh, they've still been a very solid offense, and the Cavs have been a very, very good team. We'll see if he can continue to be as good without Ricky Rubio, who he's had a lot of his success next to this season. But uh, yeah, he's averaging twenty and eight this season which is really, really, really good, especially for only a third-year player. Um, same uh, draft class as Ja, and I really think, I don't think he's better than Ja, but I think you can argue that he does a lot of things better than Ja. So for me, that's going to be my injured reserve pick. And yeah, that those are going to be my all-star teams. So for the East we have starting, we have Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and Giannis. 
And then the reserves, we have James Harden, Fred Van Vliet, Jimmy Butler, Jared Allen, Jason Tatum, LaMelo Ball, and Zach Levine. And then my injured reserve is Darius Garland. Or if you really want, Bradley Beal is fine. And then my starters for the West are going to be Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Nikola Jokic, and LeBron James. And then the bench, the reserves, are Ja Morant, Luka Doncic, Draymond Green, Paul George, Carl Towns, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. And then if injured reserved, my first would be DeJounte Murray. And yeah, that that's going to be my all-star ballot. Obviously, there's going to be captains who are probably most likely going to be Steph Curry and, or LeBron and Kevin Durant or Giannis. And uh, we'll see where the teams are from there. But uh, other than that, this is the first episode of the Booming Basketball Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Um, follow my socials in the description. And thank you again for tuning in. I will see you all next time. Peace.